before. Uh, I'm the director of CSF, and CSF is a campus ministry in Nebraska and South Dakota. We have campus ministries in Wayne, Norfolk, South Dakota State, Kearney, Lincoln, Omaha, another one in Omaha at the Nursing College, and Peru State. And we also have international ministries uh, at our Kearney campus and our Lincoln campus. And the best way for you to find out a little bit more about CSF is if you stop, we have a table right outside on your left, and there'll be brochures there that tell you all about CSF, where we're at, our 22 staff and interns that work for us, and all different kinds of things about what we do. And first of all, I just want to say thank you. Uh, a lot of you, uh, last week or a couple weeks ago on Monday the 15th, we had our first annual CSF Day of Prayer. And now the director of CSF, me, is going, why was I such an idiot? And we hadn't been doing this for the last 10 years. Um, we had an annual day of prayer. Many of you came, and some of you prayer walked the campus with us here at Wayne. We had prayer walks on all of our campuses on the 15th. And then we did praise and prayer night at the, our coffee shop downtown, the table, which CSF owns. And many of you were there that night. It was an awesome night. And we are seeing and hearing stories across all of our campuses that are the direct fruit of your prayers. Um, every campus has been texting me story after story of these weird, out of the ordinary, you can't explain it, God kind of interactions that are happening as hundreds of thousands of students come on our campus. Uh, but during August, we do a deal called CSF 300. It's one of our two annual fundraisers for CSF. We're a nonprofit that exists solely on the gifts and the financial partnerships of people like you and churches like Journey. And CSF 300 is based off of the story of Gideon, uh, where God winnows down Gideon's army to 300 people, and he sends them out against an army of thousands. And we believe that God can do more with 300 than thousands can do without God. God. And so during August, we look uh, for a couple different things. Uh, people who are willing to pick a number between 1 and 300 and give that dollar amount. If all those are taken, it almost funds our, our student ministry budget uh, for the whole year. And uh, you can do that today. If you want to do that, you can drop a check or a gift off in a basket at our table, or you can give online at csfunleashed.com, or you can find me or Rob and Lauren some other time during the week. We also are praying and asking uh, for what we call mighty warrior gifts. Uh, we know that there are some people who God has blessed in a way that they could give 500, 1,000, 2,500, 5,000, or even more. Uh, last year, I had a guy who called me and he said, hey, I took... I'm going to give you a bunch of grain. Now, I grew up in a farming community, but I don't know how to pluck a cow or pluck a chicken. And so some of you got that. Good job. And, uh, and I said, great. And he goes, no, I gave And he told me the amount, and I'm like, awesome. And so I called one of the guys on our board, and I said, this guy gave us some grain. I don't know, like, is that like 50 bucks or what? And it was a mighty warrior gift of $12,000. And God has used that in a powerful way. And so we would just love, if you would love to be a part of that this year, you can stop at our table. There'll be a basket there that you can leave a gift. I could tell you story after story, but I want to make sure we get into the message this morning. Uh, but one thing that CSF is about, if you're new to Journey and you haven't heard about Christian Student Fellowship, uh, we are all about making disciples who make disciples. Um, we are all about finding people, introducing them to Jesus. Uh, right now, across all the campuses that we are on, just over, I got to get the numbers right, I think it's just over 72,000 students came back to the campuses that CSF are on. And we know 
The statistics tell us that only about 12% of those students know the hope of Jesus. Uh, only about 12% of college students in America profess to be a Christian. It's one of the most unreached people groups in all of the world. And what that means is across all the campuses that CSF is on, that means there is over 68,000 students who do not know Jesus. Uh, here, just in Wayne, that means there are over 3,000 students on our campus who do not know Jesus. And we want to introduce them to Jesus. And then we want to help disciple and walk alongside of them to live like Jesus. And then we want to unleash them all across the world for Jesus. And so I'm going to tell you one quick story, and then we're going to get into the message. Uh, years ago, I had a girl who came to campus ministry when I was the campus minister here at Wayne. And, uh, her, and her name was Mara. Some of you remember Mara. And Mara found Jesus in college, started being discipled by us. I had the honor of baptizing Mara into Christ when we used to do church at the park. And we baptized her in the coldest water I've ever been in in my life. Nobody told me that the water that comes out of the fire truck is cold. I don't know why. I thought, fire truck, maybe it'll be nice and hot. And uh, we, we filled a kiddie pool, and we baptized her in that, and uh, gave her life to Jesus. And I remember I got an email for her. She went overseas and played basketball for about 10 years, 10 years in like five different countries. And one time, Mara sends me a text, and she says, I'm just not sure I'm making a difference. I never get to stay in one place all the time. And I said, well, what do you mean? She said, well, I'm like there for a season and then I leave. And she said, all I've been able to do is every team I've went to, I've started a Bible study on my team with like four or five girls from four or five different countries. But then at the end of the season, like we all go somewhere else and I don't ever see them again. So then I go to another team and I start a Bible study with four or five girls from other countries. And I said, well, what's happened to those girls? She said, well, a lot of them have started Bible studies too, but I never get to see them. I'm just not sure I'm making any difference for the kingdom. I'm like, I'm not sure how you graduated college if you think that. <laughs> and, uh, and I tell you that story to tell you this is, is that's what we're about at CSF. Um, we are not, we are not about, we are not just about, I shouldn't say we're not about, we're not just about getting a bunch of college students while they're in college to grow like Jesus. And we are about influencing people so that when they leave, they influence the world. And that's what you at Journey have helped partner with for, for decades. Journey has been a partner of CSF long before I was at CSF. And so I want to say thank you. I want to encourage you to pray uh, for our staff, specifically for Rob and Lauren and Autumn, who are our campus ministers here at Wayne. But pray for all the staff across CSF. Pray for God's movement in our ministry and other campus ministries that are on our campuses, that students would find Jesus, grow in Christ, and be unleashed for the kingdom. So thank you for doing that. I'm going to pray because I cannot think of any other way to transition into the stupid story I'm going to tell you next to start the sermon. So, uh, God, thank you. Uh, thank you for this church. Um, God, CSF, literally, I don't know that it would exist without Journey and the people of Journey. Um, God, this room and this church is full of some of the most generous, faithful people that I know. And uh, I'm personally thankful for their partnership with me and my family and with our ministry here and around the world. And so, God, I ask, um, I would ask just, God, that we would see uh, the fruit of that partnership together. I ask you to bless our time in the Word this morning as we dive in. In Jesus' name, amen. 
We're going to continue in our Rooted series this morning. And now believe this or not, some of you aren't going to believe this, but when I was in high school, between my sophomore and junior year, uh, I had an assistant basketball coach who also coached track, and he convinced me to quit football and go out for cross country. And I know what you're thinking. I always assumed he was a cross country runner. He looks like it. And uh, he convinced me to go out. Now, some of you know me well enough to know that I'm kind of an all-in guy. Like, I don't really dip my toe in things. Like, I tend to go a little bit overboard. And so I was in shape. I mean, I, I lifted every day. I ran. I played basketball like eight hours a day. But cross country was a different animal. And so he, he convinced me and another guy to go out for cross country our junior year so we would be in better shape and not get hurt for basketball and all these stupid things that I don't believe now. And so then we decided on a Tuesday that we were going to go out. Well, the next day, I lived five miles from where I went to high school, and I was supposed to be in Tilden that night to play basketball with a bunch of guys for a couple hours, and so I thought, well, I probably should start training. I'll just run to Tilden. Just six miles, no big deal. And so I did. I got out of my house, and I ran all the way to Tilden, played two, two and a half hours of basketball, thought I was going to die. And then I got done, and by the grace of God, some guy goes, you ran here? I don't want you running home in the dark. I'll give you a ride. And I was like, yeah, it's dark. I mean, I could, but it's dark. That'd be great. And, like, I got home, and the next day, I could not get out of bed. Like, my mom came down to my room, and I, I thought I was going to die. My legs were numb. <laughs> my, I had this pain in my side that felt like somebody was stabbing me with a knife. I was sweating. I was horrible. The only way I could get out of bed to go to the bathroom was I was super cool in high school, and I had a water bed. And so, like, I could just push real hard, and the wave would come back, and it would, like, flip me out of bed. And that was great. And so my, my coach actually called my mom and said, Justin coming in today? And my mom's like, he can't get out of bed. He ran six miles yesterday. So my coach gets on the phone. He goes, you're an idiot. And I'm like, thank you, <laughs> Captain Obvious. And he, go, and he told me this. He goes, you can't start doing this until you have built up to it. He said, you can't run six. He goes, we'll get you to a point where you can run six miles, 10 miles, maybe even further. But he goes, you do not have the stuff built into you, the foundation in you to be able to do what you are trying to achieve. He said, there's all kinds of things that you have to do before that to get to that. And I tell you that story this morning because in our text, we're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, and it's actually going to be kind of a jumping off text for us this morning because Paul in this text, he's describing a group of people who seem to be in the same problem. Like Paul thinks they should be here, and yet they're still clear over here. This is a group of people who they're like a year into their season, and Paul is wondering why aren't they running greater distances? Paul sees this group of people who he recruited and he got to be a part of the team of Christians and he got them planted a church and he poured into them and he led them to Jesus and now he's coming back and he's wondering why are they still not able to run the distances that they should by now. Paul's wondering why is it that sometimes things are bothering them that shouldn't? Why are they being distracted by things that shouldn't distract them anymore? And the reality is what we're going to see is Paul is going to describe to us in this passage <clears throat> a group of people who aren't rooted. He's going to describe a group of people who didn't put roots in. They haven't been training, they haven't built up, and then they try to go run 10 miles and they die because they don't have the roots and the foundation that they need to be where Paul thinks they should be. 
So in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, I'm going to read this morning the first nine verses. It's almost like Paul is aggravated. He said, brothers, could, I could not address you as spiritual people. But I have to address you as people of the flesh, as infants in Jesus. I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you weren't ready for it. And even now, you're still not ready. For you are still of the flesh. There is jealousy and strife among you. Are you not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way? One of you says, well, I follow Paul. And another says, I follow Apollos. Are you not being merely human? What is Apollos? What's Paul? They're servants through whom you believed as the Lord assigned to each. I planted, Apollos watered, but God is the one who gives growth. So neither he who plants or he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. He who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his wages according to his labor. But we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field and God's building. And Paul is addressing this group of Christians who he thinks ought to be in better shape by now. They should be lifting more and running farther and needing less help. Paul's writing them, and he says, I, I led you to Christ, I fed you spiritual milk when you were an infant, but you should be much more grown up by now. Why are you not more grown up? Paul says, I, I wish I could address you like people who are in shape, as, as spiritually mature people, but I still have to address you as infants. And, and I want you to think about it this way. Think about people who naturally grow. Right? Like I have a freshman and a seventh grader, I have two sons. And it'd be the same thing as like if my freshman came home and we were having supper and we got out the steak and the potatoes and I gave Kolb a bottle. Like that'd be weird, right? <laughs> Kolb's going to be in second service and not appreciate that illustration, right? It'd be like if my seventh grader came home and we were still changing diapers. Like they should be naturally further along because they've grown. And, and Paul looks at this group of Christians and he says, why are you still eating soft food? He says, you should be much further along. There should be roots that are planted that have helped you to grow. He says, you're, you're still focused on other people and not on God. You're still thinking about being the coolest church or listening to the best pastor, or not, but you're not leaning into God. And guess what? When, when we don't put our roots in Christ, when we don't grow beyond that initial come-to-Jesus moment, then when life happens, we get blown over. And I don't know about you this morning, but church, maybe, maybe some of you feel that way. Can I be honest with you this morning? Sometimes I feel that way. Sometimes I sit and I think, how am I not in better spiritual shape at this stage of my life? Maybe you know somebody like that. Like, I, I can think of people who I look at and I go, how are you not further along? Like, how are you still doing the same thing you did last year and the year before and three years ago and four years ago? How are you not further along and in better shape? How are you kicking an onside kick when you're up by 11? <sighs> and Jesus wept. Uh, <laughs> But that's what Paul's talking about this morning in a spiritual sense. Paul is saying, you should be further along. And this morning, as we continue in our Rooted series, and as we get ready to kick off Rooted tonight, 
I, I want us to look at three things that will help us grow and keep us rooted. If, if you're here this morning and you think, boy, I, I wish I was further along. Or if you sit here this morning and like me, sometimes you go, gosh, why am I still doing some of the stupid things I used to do? Or why am I still wrestling with these? Why am I not more mature? Well, I think these are three things that Scripture tells us are a part of being rooted and growing. And the first one is simply intentionality. If you and I want to grow in Christ, we have to be intentional. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, Paul said, Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? He says, so run that you would obtain that prize. He said, every athlete exercises self-control in all things, and they do it to receive a perishable award. But we do it to receive an imperishable one. So I don't run aimlessly. I don't box as one beating the air. I discipline my body, and I keep it under control so that after preaching, I myself am not disqualified. Paul says, in order for you and I to grow, we have to be intentional. We, the reality is that we're intentional about all, everything else, right? That's what Paul's saying. I think that might be why he uses that illustration. That nobody does what I did, right? Nobody goes to run a race and goes, oh, I'll just try it and see how it goes. Don't you train. You're intentional about getting in shape. We're intentional about all kinds of things in our life that are important to us or that we want to be better at or that we want to grow in. And so the question this morning is, why do I not have that same intentionality with my spiritual life? Why don't I put myself with a group of people who will be intentional with me on a regular basis? Why don't I develop or write down a plan to grow spiritually like I do for other things? Why don't I put spiritual things in my calendar like I do everything else? Why, why don't we ask for help? Why don't we meet with other people who are further along than us, who can help us and show us how they grew in Christ and how we can grow? Why do I not be intentional about my spiritual growth in the same way I'm intentional about all kinds of other things in my life? Paul told us in Ephesians chapter 5, Paul said to look carefully at how we walk. That's another way to say be intentional. He said, don't do it as an unwise person, but as wise, making the best use of your time because the days are evil. So don't be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Paul says, be intentional about every moment of your life. And, and really what we're saying here when we talk about intentionality, it's a question of priorities, right? When, when we fight and when we wrestle about being intentional in our spiritual life, it's really a question of what's most important to me. There's a story, uh, one of the most successful television shows of all time was the show Everybody Loves Raymond. I don't know if any of you watched it. I love that show. Uh, that grandpa is like my spirit animal. And uh, <laughs> in that show, uh, in, the finale, in the final episode, the story is told that the star, Ray Romano, uh, the comedian, he came out with all of the other people, and it was the end of the show, and the studio audience was there. And he told the story of how he had come to fame before Everybody Loves Raymond, he, he really hadn't had any success. He was a stand-up comedian, but kind of struggling, and he lived in his parents' basement until he was 29 years old. Well, by the end of the sitcom's run, he had made a little bit of money. Um, he was the highest paid actor in, uh, per episode of any television show in history. And after filming the last show, the story goes that he stood before the studio audience, and he told them about his life and how it had changed and who he had become. 
And when he had moved to New York nine years earlier, he said, when I started the show, he said, my older brother Richard put a note into my luggage. And he pulled this note out of his pocket and he showed the crowd. He said, I've kept it for nine years. And then they said he began to cry. And he said, the note simply said, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? See, the reality is no matter our circumstance in life, the question remains the same, what's important to us? Whether it's good health or bad, good wealth or none, whether everything's going right or everything's going wrong, no matter what life throws at us, the question is what's important to us. And if we want to be rooted, if we want to grow in Christ so that when the storms of life come, they don't blow us over, then we have to be intentional about it. And we also need accountability. We need accountability. I think you and I know this this morning, right? The reality is none of us can do this alone. None of us. We need people around us who will hold us accountable to growing. We need people in our lives who are willing to come up to us and say, you're being an idiot. We need people around us who are willing to come up and say, I know you're struggling, let me help. We need people around us who know us so well that they can tell when things are not going the way they should. In Ecclesiastes chapter 4, it's one of my favorite verses in all of Scripture. The writer says, he tells us two people are better than one because they have a good reward for their work. If one falls, the other one can lift them up. <clears throat> but woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. If two lie down together, they can keep warm, but who can keep warm alone? Though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand a threefold cord is not quickly broken. <clears throat> I think part of the reason that Paul is so frustrated it's because I kind of get this idea that these people, it's almost like they're just waiting for Sunday. Like they're just waiting for Paul to come back. Or they're just waiting for Apollos to return. They're just waiting for another teacher to come in and sit them all down and tell them what to do. And then they'll grow a little bit, but then they'll stay the same until a teacher comes back. And then they'll grow a little bit, and then they'll stay the same. And, and nobody is growing together. Church, can I tell you this morning, if, if you and I want to be rooted... If we want to be growing in Christ, this cannot be the only place we ever grow. It just can't. If the only growth that you and I ever have is when we come on Sunday morning and something from a sermon hits us and it changes us a little bit, you will never develop the roots you need. You just won't. You have to. We have to be around people outside of Sunday morning. James chapter 5 says, My brothers, if any of among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings him back, whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul and he will cover a multitude of sins. When we talk about intentionality, the question is priorities. What's important? <clears throat> when we talk about accountability, the question is humility. When we talk about accountability, the question is, will I admit that I need help? And I don't know about you, but I struggle with that. <laughs> I'm not a big ask for help kind of guy. 
But I can tell you the most valuable thing in my life has been when there are men and women around me who have called me out and helped me grow. And I have those in my life. One of my favorite things and one of my least favorite things (laughs) is that I know I, I have friends in my life. They sit right over here. And they will call my wife and say, is Justin being an idiot? I don't like that. Because the answer is usually not what I want. But my favorite thing is I know they will. And I am more firmly rooted in Jesus because of people like them. Church, if if we want to grow in Christ, we've got to have people around us who help us grow and who we help grow. Because the reality is, the third thing we learn is if we want to be rooted, we have to reproduce who we are. We have to reproduce it. Once you and I are intentional about growing, and we put people around us who help us grow, then we have to be people who help others grow. That's what I was talking about earlier with CSF. That's, that's like our mission. That's what I talk about with our staff all the time, is that their job is to be a spiritual grandparent. Uh, The guy that used to run CSF before me, he used to say this. He said, none of you have made a disciple until your disciple makes a disciple. I think that might be true. We talk all the time about we want to be spiritual grandparents. We want students who text us back and say, guess what? I just led someone to Christ and I'm discipling them. We have to reproduce what Jesus is doing in us. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, Paul said, you, be, you, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Jesus. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust it to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Scripture is super clear that you and I are called to put our roots in Jesus, to grow in Christ, and then to go plant with other people. And when we talk about this, it's really a question of perspective. Intentionality is, a, intentionality is all a question about what's important to me. Accountability is a question about will I admit that I need help? But reproducing Jesus and others is a question about do I believe what my life is really supposed to be about? It's, it's, do I have the right perspective about who I am and what God has called me to do? Now, Paul's really, really clear in this passage. Paul tells us a couple different times that we cannot do this ourselves. We cannot grow ourselves. We cannot make other people grow. it's, It's literally the same thing. You can plant a seed in the ground. You can water the seed in the ground, but you can't stand there and stare at it and make it grow, right? And Paul says that's true of us spiritually, Paul's super clear. He says, only God can make people grow. It's it's not a work that you or I can do. But Paul is equally clear that we play a part in it. Paul says we water and we plant and then we expect God to act. So here's the deal. We talk all the time about how silly it would be, and it's true, how silly it would be for me to stand in a field where we have planted corn and to look at it and go, okay, grow, and do this, right? Because that's what you would do, right? (laughs) 
Well, that's silly. That's not going to happen. But you know what's equally silly in my head? Is to go in a field where nobody planted anything and nobody watered anything and then sit there waiting for something to grow. See, Paul says it's, it's a group effort. Only God can make us grow. But we have to plant and we have to water. We have to be intentional about growing in Christ. We have to put people around us who help us grow, and we have to pass it on to other people. We plant and we water, and then we wait, and we give God the glory when we grow. And that's what has to happen if you and I want to be rooted. If we want to be the kind of people who don't blow over when life goes like this. That's what this rooted thing that we're doing is all about. There's a story told of a farmer who owned an orchard full, uh, an orchard next to a valley of different orchards. In one year, the drought, much like this year, was harsher than other years. But this guy, out of all the orchards, this guy's trees were more fruitful and alive than all the other orchards around him. And the other farmer's trees were brown while his were green, and they came to his house one day to ask what his secret was. And this is what the orchard owner said. He said, my trees can go four more weeks than anybody else without water. He said, you see, when they were very young, I often withheld water from them so that their roots were forced to drill deeper to find the water. So while other trees are dying, mine are drinking from a much deeper source. He says, you got to drill down and get your water from a deeper source. Church, I'll be honest, I don't know if that's true about orchards. <laughs> but I think it's supposed to be true about the church. I think that when the rest of the world goes in chaos... The church is supposed to be drinking from a deeper source. That's why Jesus said in John 5, he said, I'm the vine and you're the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, it's he that bears much fruit. Because apart from me, you can do nothing. Church, I think we're supposed to be the people in the world who drink from a deeper source. But if we want to do that, then we've got to be more intentional than the world who doesn't know Jesus. We've got to hold each other accountable and help each other grow. And we've got to reproduce it in other people so that they can experience the fruit that we get as well. The band's going to come, and they're going to lead us in a song this morning. Some of you are signed up, and like my wife and I, and you're enrooted. Can I encourage you this morning? to dive into that. Some of you weren't able to do it this time. Can I encourage you to look ahead to January when Journey will offer it again? Can I encourage you to get yourself around some people who can help you grow? Church, I'll be honest with you this morning. My wife and I were talking about this last week. We need this. <laughs> I know I'm supposed to be the real spiritual person on stage this morning. I don't know that that's the case. We need this. Megan and I had a group of people around us that we met with every week, and it was great, and it was awesome. And then COVID hit, and we quit meeting, and then we've just used that as an excuse. 
And so honestly, for the last two years, we have friends and we have people around us, but we haven't been intentional in our life about putting ourselves around a group of people who are wanting to grow with us. And so for the next 10 weeks, we're going to do that to the best of our ability. And we're going to be intentional. We're going to have accountability. And will that be this life-changing thing? I don't know. Because what Scripture tells me is that's not my job to know. It's my job to put myself in a place where God can best grow me. And so I'm going to do that, and I'm going to trust that God will grow. Church, that's my challenge for you this morning, is to put yourself in places and around people where God is most likely to help you grow. To put yourself in places where there's water and where seed is being planted and to trust that God can grow you and put your roots deeper than the world around you so that we can abide in Christ and be his mission to the world. But we have to be intentional. We have to put people around us. We have to be rooted in Jesus.